All right. I've been in um, John, the 17th chapter, uh, and just kind of been looking over the scripture and trying to get an understanding of, of what is happening here, and it's been blessing me. Um, uh, how many people are, are going through some trials right in through here? Amen. So I'm not alone. Amen. 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 There seems to always be something, right? Well, I want you to know that Jesus prayed for you. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. He prayed for you and me. Amen. Amen. So we can rest assured. Now let's go into John, the 17th uh, chapter. Uh, I want to give this a title. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. John, the 17th chapter. I'm just going to try to see if I can get through these first five verses, if I can. Um, I'm going to go out of the English Standard Version, ESV, today. Thank you, Keisha and John. Keisha, I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness. You're blessing me. Picking the right songs and everything, I'm telling you. All right. The Word of God reads, verse 1, John 17, 1 through 5. When you have it, say amen. amen. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse 4, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I want to title this Eternal Life, and watch this, Life Eternal. Eternal Life and Life eternal. Mm, help me, Holy Spirit. Okay, stick your finger there, as my dad used to say, and let's go to Luke 15, 16. Luke 15, 16. I don't know if you have this version. I don't know if you have it, Keisha, but uh, uh, you guys are geniuses up there. But I, I want to just try to um, paint a picture here so you can see what's happening so I can kind of give you some background to uh, this prayer. Ah, you guys are good. All right. New American Standard Bible says this. Um, Jesus, but Jesus himself would often, say often, slip away into the wilderness and pray. So Jesus would normally pray alone. He'd draw a crowd and he'd go off somewhere by himself and disappear, and he would pray alone. He would talk to his father by himself. 
Now, there are a few times recorded in Scripture where Jesus prayed a public prayer, especially when uh, we think about the Lord's Prayer. And he was teaching, Father, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Amen. And this is called the high priestly prayer, even though there's a lot of other things in it, even though he is praying for us because Jesus is our priest, our high priest. Amen. So there are a few times when he played it, prayed in public, but mostly, normally, he prayed privately, and he normally prayed short prayers. So this prayer in John 17 is an exception uh, because it breaks his normal pattern. It's a long prayer. It's audible. He wants us to know what he has said. So he tells us, uh, this, this, this prayer tells us that Jesus wanted his followers to hear him. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit brings this prayer back to John's memory. This is John's writing. Amen? Uh, the prayer of Jesus so that you and I would have this prayer today. Amen? Two quick observations I want to make before we jump in, and it's found also in this chapter. But before we move forward, I just want to um, make two prayer, uh, some observations about this prayer. This prayer is only for the followers of Jesus Christ. He's praying for his church. He's praying for the believers. He's praying for the children of God. That's who we are. Amen? He's not praying for the world. He's not praying for those who have rejected him as the way, the truth, and the life. He's only praying for God's children. Amen? That's point number one. And then the other observation I'm going to make is there's a purpose statement in this prayer that's found not in the verses that I read to you, but just a little bit further down, uh, the 13th verse of the same chapter, John 17. Uh, The Word of God reads, But now I am coming to you, Jesus is saying, I'm coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, not to the world, in their hearing, in the world, that they, who? The church, the children of God, you and me, may have, watch this, my joy. May have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So the purpose of the prayer, the the direction of the prayer is, is the children of God. And the purpose of the prayer is that you and I, the disciples, the, the apostles, the disciples, the, the leaders, all the way from the beginning of Acts when the church started to where we are now, TLC in, in, in Castro Valley, that we would have his joy. Am I right about that, Rick? Amen. All right. So John records uh, pretty much, uh, this is the capstone of, of chapters maybe around the middle of the 13th chapter to the 16th chapter before we get into the 17th chapter. Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to go away. Okay, and in the 15th chapter, a very familiar portion of scripture, he tells them that he's leaving, but he's preparing a place for them. That where he is, they may be also. Amen. And then he tells the disciples, you know, um, that you must abide in him. And apart from him, he, we can do nothing. Amen. And then he says, but I'm going away. <laughs> so they're a little bit confused about 
what's happening, and they're very discouraged. And to be very honest, they're scared. They're scared. They made a huge investment in Jesus, and they thought that uh, things were headed in a different direction. I mean, it started out cool. They're hanging with Jesus. It's exciting. Anything they need, Jesus can handle. He can do it all. He can heal. If you lose your eye, he'll put it back. If you have a lunch, he can take your lunch and feed thousands of people. Everything is going very well. 500,000, I mean 5,000 people plus, women and children, you know. He could, he could do anything. If you need taxes, he could just reach into the water, pull out, you know, open the fish's mouth. There's your taxes. Oh, I tell you, we got some people that need some money up in here. <laughs> I did not expect that response. But he can do anything. And so Peter and his boys are like, yeah, this is what it, we've been waiting for this. Yeah, we're with, we're with Jay. We, we hang him with Jay. <laughs> you know, you go to the club or, or a certain kind of, you know, high ritzy places like that. You sit down with some real, really important people. And the disciples are kind of feeling themselves. It's like, yeah. This Jesus thing is working out. I'm liking this. this. This treatment, this everything works out kind of thing. You know? But things start changing. The crowds are leaving. It starts to get dangerous to hang with Jesus. Jesus stops speaking in parables. And now he starts to talk very plainly to them. Amen? And he tells his friends, because they're no longer slaves. They're, they're not slaves. They're his friends. Let me tell you what me and the Father are up to. What are you up to, Jesus? I'm leaving. Woo! And, of course, after this huge investment that they place in Jesus, they start doing what we all would do. They start freaking out. And when your friends start to freak out and you want to encourage them, what do you do? You pray for them. So that's where we are in John 17. Jesus is, I can just imagine him looking at the faces of the disciples and them going, you know, this is getting weird. Let's go back and do what we were doing before. Things are changing. And Jesus sees their fear, sees their anxiety, and he prays for them. Remember the point. The purpose of the prayer is that they may have his joy Fulfilled in themselves. Okay? All right. Everybody with me? Verse 1. John 17. Verse 1. All right. When Jesus had spoken these words, which is from the middle of chapter 13 all the way up to 16. Read it when you get a chance. Okay? When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. What does he mean by the hour has come? Well, let me tell you. The hour has come, and I'll prove it with scripture, is the hour of his death. Glorify me the hour of my death. The hour has come. Glorify me my burial in the tomb. My three days of silence. Amen. My triumphant resurrection. Amen. 
glorify me. His ascension back to his father. Amen? That's what he's talking about. The hour has come. Amen? Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now, here's the thing. Is Jesus on some ego trip? No. Because he's saying, I want to give not only what I'm getting due, my glory, I'm giving that glory back to my father. Amen? Are you seeing it? So John 12, let me just set this up a little bit. So you can see what he means by, you know, uh, being glorified in his death, in his resurrection, in his burial, in his ascension. John 12, 12 through 13. John 12, 12 through 13. So we're going back a little bit. The next day, a large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? You remember that? All right. Skip down to 17, verse 17. That same crowd was massive. And let me show you how. I'll show you why they were big. Uh, the crowd was so large. Verse 17 says, The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. So everybody heard about this Jesus Christ who was doing this next level miracle. Not only can he pay your taxes, if you're dead, he can raise you up. Are you hearing me? Amen. A little bit later on, we see that the, the, uh, the Greeks, thank you, Holy Spirit, you're bringing it back to me. The Greeks uh, started, they wanted to see him. They wanted to come. So people are coming out of the woodworks because uh, here's a man that has power over death. Amen. So everybody's like, you know what? I think we need to go pay this Jesus a visit. I have a few things on my list that I'd like to ask him to do. Because if you can raise the dead, you can do anything. So the crowd is massive. Okay? This is like mega church on steroids. Okay? Verse 18. The reason why the crowd went out to meet him is they heard that he had done this sign. Verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that, they are, uh, that, that, you, see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So the Pharisees are upset and jealous because he's drawing such a crowd. He's doing these miracles, and everybody's like, Woo, Jesus, Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're like, you know what? Everything we're doing is not working because he can raise the dead. How do we top that? Right? So the Pharisees are upset. They're saying the whole world has gone. This just painted a picture of how big this crowd is. Okay? Skip down to verse 23. Now, here's the thing. When I think of glorifying myself or I think of bringing glory to myself, I want to do something that's like, you know, amazing, that kind of brings benefit to me. Right? You know, I'll win a Grammy or something like that. That's glorious to me. I'm being glorified. I'm being, you know, this radiance now. Jamie, you look, I mean, I'm telling you, you look great up on that TV, bro. But look at Jesus. In verse 23, he says this, Jesus answered them, here it is again, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What does he say that looks like? Verse 24 tells us what it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, 
it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What is Jesus talking about being glorified? What is, he, what is being glorified to Jesus versus what it would be to us? Jesus is saying this speaks of his mission for coming here in the first place. His hour has come. His cross is near. It's time for me to give my life. D.A. Carson, one of the guys I'm studying right now, he says this. To men of Jesus' day, the Roman cross was a symbol of violence, torture, and evil. To Jesus, it was the means of his glory. Whoa. Stunning, isn't it? Stunning how different we are than him. Hmm? Hmm? It becomes the visible, he says, presentation of the redeeming love of God and of his Christ. The superlative manifestation of God's powerful saving action on our behalf. What he's saying here, let me just put it to you this way. There is no greater definition or example of God's glory available to us than God's love for sinners, which he displayed with the death of his own son on the cross. Our salvation is glorious. And that salvation brings glory to the Son. So there's an exchange between the Father and the Son in this prayer. There is an exchange of glory between the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. God, the Father, gets glory for sending his Son. I will glorify you, Father. And then you glorify me. Why? Because Jesus Christ was sent and obeyed the Father's plan and died on the cross for sinners. So the Son gets glory for accomplishing the plan that the Father sent in the first place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So there's a glory exchange. He's saying, glorify me and I'm going to glorify you. Are you hearing me? They're very different than us. Because if you told me in order for me to win some kind of award or, you know, a Heisman trophy or something like that, I had to give my life for some people who would deny me and reject me, I would not think that's very glorious. But with Jesus, what's happening here? The supreme revelation of the Father's glory through Jesus Christ is the cross, the resurrection, and his exaltation. There's no greater picture of the heart of God than in that cross. That's glorious. Amen? Verse 2. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Let me say it again. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. That the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. In eternity past, God the Father promised God the Son authority over all who would believe in him. Amen? Meaning Jesus had the right to give eternal life to the believers way before the foundation of the earth. Amen. But Jesus only received his actual promise from the Father 
when he actually accomplished his mission. That's why we can say, don't turn to it, just trust me, it's there. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's what he's talking about. He said, I have the authority over life and death. I have the authority to give uh, eternal life to whomever I will. Amen. Those who believe in me shall have eternal life. And when the father promised it, it was good as done because he already knew that the son would accomplish his mission. So this thing was rigged. Are you hearing me? He's already given the authority. And he already knew that God, the son, Jesus Christ, would accomplish his mission. So our salvation is doubly secure. Are you hearing me? Amen. Amen. The son would now glorify God, the son, through his completed mission on the cross. Amen. And then verse 3, and this is where we're going this morning. And this is the eternal life, <laughs> Lord help me, that Jesus is giving. Are you ready? Watch this. That they know you. Hmm? I heard you back there, Rick. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Wait a minute. The eternal life that Jesus is giving is that we know him. You sure about that, Pastor? That's what it says. Now keep your finger there because we're going to come back to that. I'm going to explain this and we're going to come back to three. Okay? Jesus said, I have glorified you on earth. I've made your plan visible. <laughs> I've shown them who you are on earth. Amen? Amen? I have accomplished my mission on earth. I've shown them who you are and what your intention was for the sinners. Amen? Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus said, I have made the Father visible by the work I finished on the cross. You want to know what the Father is like? All you have to do is look at the cross. Wow. Huh. God is a God of love. Are you hearing me? And Jesus, the Son of God, was sent to prove to us that that's who God is. How did he do it? God sent his son for each and every last messed up individual on this planet that's ever existed, is existing now, or ever will exist. Are you hearing me? As messed up as we are, have been, and will be tomorrow, God sent his son. Amen. And he thought of you and me before the world was even made. Hallelujah. He had Jamie and, and Rick and Keith and Ruth on his mind before the world was even made, people. I've glorified you. I've made you known. I've, by accomplishing my mission, the work that you gave me to do. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. How do you know what God is like? Have you seen me all this time, Philip, and not been able to recognize the Father? That's what he said. 
And you're really going to see in a minute who he is because I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for you. That's the kind of love God has for his people, his children. Amen? And then Jesus says in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had before the world existed. What I need you to understand, saints, is there was glory, honor, and praise. Huh? Given to the Son of God. He's radiant. He's majestic. He's wonderful. The angels, we just got to sing it. Singing holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 I want to see you, right? The angels are like going, holy, holy, holy. I can't even tell you what I'm watching right now. I can't explain to you. I got, I've showed it to you before, years ago. They got six wings, two to fly, two to cover their body, and two to cover their eyes because they can't take how glorious the Son of God really is. And that son of God had that glory before he came here. So what I'm trying to explain to you is Jesus left heaven and absolute perfection and paradise and glory and worship that he was definitely due and came down here to deal with us. How grateful are we to be for the son of God (laughs) for thinking that much of you and me. Wow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He left all that glory for folks that was going to spit on him. Folks that was going to beat on him. Folks that were going to deny him, call him everything but God. He He left all of that for you and me before the world even existed. Amen? All right. Now, he did that, why? To give us eternal life. And he says that eternal life Verse 3, go back, jump back to verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Wow. Okay, so this is what I want you to do. I think I gave it to you, Jamie. Uh, Jamie warned me. He said, give, uh, put all my scripture versions in there. Can you give me the same passage uh, in the King James starting at verse 2, though? I want you to see something rather interesting. John 17, 3, starting at verse 2. Did I do it? I hope I did. King James. Uh, You'll catch it in a minute. All right. Not a problem. John 17, 2 and 3 says this. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give Watch this, eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And in verse 3 says this, and this is life eternal. See the difference? They switched it up, right? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So the emphasis is different. Eternal life, life eternal. Huh. Eternal life here is said to be to know God. Amen? So eternal life in this passage is not so much perpetual life. 
eternal life here is life eternal, which speaks to the quality of life. Uh, are you thinking? Okay, so not just living forever and ever and ever. He's talking about the quality of the life that you have right now. Mm. Now, here's a question. Would you want to extend your life as it is right now forever and ever? <laughs> nope. Who wants to live forever? <laughs> Would you want to live this life right now? Busted up knees and crazy situations. And Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> People stealing your credit card and fraud. Would you want to extend that life forever and ever. No. No. To be honest, I'm, I want God to change quite a few things. Amen. <laughs> right, right. Amen. So here's the thing. Eternal life here is not, uh, is, uh, let me say it differently. Eternal life is best seen not as everlasting life. Eternal life here is better known or better seen as knowledge of the everlasting one. Not just live forever, but knowledge of the one who ever liveth. Ah. Light bulb turn on yet? All right. According to the prophet Hosea, uh, he says this, and we know this verse, Hosea 4 and 6, God's people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Right? This is why eternal life, Jesus is speaking, is knowledge of God. Life eternal. I want you to have God's kind of life forever. Starting now. Amen? This is why we must get into the word for ourselves. So that we can know the only true God. Not the God that we can make up because we don't know the word. Amen. But the only true God who has revealed himself in scripture. Amen. He told us about himself. He's preserved his word. We have the revelation of God in his word. So we have no excuse because John here is talking to believers. Amen. Now we all have made up some stuff about God. Now have we not? Some of us did it because we were just confused and creative. Some of us, if you were like me, you did it because you wanted to live a certain kind of life. And, you know, it was okay in your mind if I could just change God up a little bit. Then I wouldn't feel so bad about what I'm doing. Ah, okay. But the truth is I couldn't back none of that up with Scripture. <laughs> right? That Jesus is praying that the church would understand how to have life eternal, which is Zoe, the Zoe life. It is a quality kind of life. Some people have heard that term before. In other words, it's life worth living, God's quality life. When you got saved, guess what happened? 
God already implanted in you his God-like quality of life. At the point of salvation. So Jesus is saying, I want them to have life eternal, which is knowing you, God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that means eternal life is not just something you get when you die and go to heaven. Eternal life is something that happens to the believer at the point of salvation. Oh. And those that have this this quality kind of life or the eternal life or life eternal, we have it now. Which means, guess what? You have access to joy. You have access to peace. You have access to long-suffering. You have access to gentleness. You have access to faith. Oh. Which means that while you're going through whatever you're going through, you already have access to the life that God has been trying to give you. The issue is you already have it. We just don't know it. Without looking at God, we don't even have the right perspective on what's happening in our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are entering into trouble without knowing what God is doing. Uh, Maybe that's just for me. The disciples were freaking out. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have life eternal. The purpose for the prayer is that you not freak out, but that you have my joy. My joy. Amen? So here's the thing. Let's back this up with Scripture, Jamie. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We know the Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, or he shall direct your path. We know that, right? But did you see the word acknowledge him? That word acknowledge means in all your ways, know him. Know him. Amen? And he will make your pathways straight. He will make, you know, he will, he will uh, make your pathways straight. Amos 4, 5 and 4. Amos 5 and 4. I'm just going to move on. Yeah, we got to go. Amos 5 and 4. For thus saith the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me (laughs) and live. Now, it doesn't say there, seek me to get something else. It just says, seek me and live. No quality life without seeking God and getting to know him. What is life eternal? That you would know God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So here's the thing. We know this scripture. Just setting this up. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What is life eternal? Knowing God. Seeking God. Not just the stuff that you want from God but God himself. Are you hearing me? To know God is what gives you the quality kind of life. Amen. Amen. But it's more than just an intellectual picture of God. Are you hearing me, saints? It's more than just, you know, me studying the scriptures and understanding the word and and, and, and kind of getting some scriptures under my belt. It's more than that. This knowledge of God 
goes deeper than an intellectual scripture memory session. What does it mean to know God? Well, of course it means having some intellectual knowledge. We have to know the word, as I just said. But to know what God is like, the Old Testament used to use it this way. They would use the word know uh, in such a way that it spoke of sexual intimacy. Amen? Sexual knowledge. So Adam knew Eve. And then Eve got pregnant. And he named the son Cain. She named the son Cain, or they, they named their kids Cain. And then Adam knew Eve again. And then here comes Abel. Amen. So the idea is that the sexual act is not the priority. It's just the byproduct of the intimacy between the husband and wife. They know things about each other. The union of the heart and of the mind precedes the act of sex. So to know God is really to be intimate with him. Oh, Seeking God is really not seeking stuff, it's seeking relationship. Oh. The problem is, is that we've done everything in our relationships and our relationship with God completely backwards. Oh, come on, somebody. You can't have relationship with stuff. That's not what he's saying. He's saying have relationship with God. Put God first. Don't seek the byproduct. Seek the relationship. Intimacy with God. Invest in the intimacy. Are you hearing? This is why folks married today get divorced in two seconds. The divorce rate is 50%, and most of it has been generated by women. Did I say that? People want the byproduct. So you go to your spouse with a list of things that you want. And you're investing, you got your eye on the things and not the relationship. Oh, not realizing that all the things depend on the relationship. You hear what I'm saying? The house, the cars, the guys be like, oh man, she looks good, she's tight. I get to have sex with her forever? He got some money, he's going to take good care of me. I'm good. He's responsible. He's this, he's that. He's that 1% of man that I've been looking for. He's the top notch. I want kids. I've always wanted kids. I want vacation. I want to be able to do things. I want somebody to talk to. I want this. All those things are now in front, but you never got the chance to really know him. You never got a chance to really know her. So when everything falls apart, all those things were actually attached to a relationship that was never developed. Uh, are you hearing what I'm saying? So what does God do? God has to reverse this thing in us and in our relationship with him. He's not stupid. He knows that a lot of us are going to him for stuff. And not the relationship. So God in his love, what he decides to do is he allows the stuff to shake us up. And now all my stuff has got me hot and bothered. I'm concerned about what's happening to my stuff. And God's saying, no, 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 I want to reverse this. I want you to keep your eyes on me. I want you to have intimacy with me. It's not about the stuff, it's me. Eternal life, life eternal is that you know God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
We got it backwards. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these, the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. What's happening? God wants the relationship solid. That way, no matter what happens, my joy is connected to the fact that I know him. My, when I, Lord, I don't know what's going on with my kids. Well, that's okay because I know him. I don't know what's going on with my finances. It's okay because I know him. I got fired from my job. It's okay. I know him. My husband and my wife are acting crazy. It's okay. I know him. And what does that knowledge do? The knowledge of God, it brings a joy that speaks to your situation. So we have the scripture, but the scripture is able to be applied to what we're dealing with. Are you hearing me? Ah, I didn't jump ahead of myself, but I think I should be done anyway. All right. Give me, um, just let me try to wrap this up. Yeah, you're going to be able to preach all that. All right. John 17 and 6. Same chapter. Let's just go down one more verse. Then we got one. Okay. I have manifested your name woo, to the people you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. You see it? And you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Ooh. They kept your word. They kept your word. I have manifested your name. I have glorified you. I have displayed your name. Jesus is saying, Father, they know what you're like because they've seen me. I've displayed and manifested, made clear <laughs> who you are. And my daddy put it this way. He said, he's not talking about a name tag. He's talking about a character. Okay, he's, he's not, I don't know, he's not saying that we call you Jesus. He said that I know who Jesus is. I know what Jesus is like. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in, and in Psalm 9 and 10 says this, and I think we're done here. Okay, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, have not forsaken those who what? Here we go. Seek what? Seek who? Seek you. So when we're going through, and it does, and I'm telling y'all, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going through. And what I'm learning here is that I got to keep my mind on Jesus Christ. I got to keep my mind on who I'm supposed to know, who I'm, who I'm supposed to be focusing on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you're going through and it seems like I'm just not going to make it, you're not going to make it. It just looks like it's not, we just ain't going to make it. Huh? You have to know who God is. In those moments when it's darkest, when there's no hope and it looks like you're just not going to get through this situation, you're going to be stuck here forever. No, no, no. That's not who God is. I know who God is. And in those times, he reminds you of his character. I have protected them. I have manifested. I have displayed your name. And those who know your name, they are the ones who can put their trust in you, God. For you have not forsaken those who are seeking you. One of the things that I've had to understand walking through what I'm walking through right now is I, I, sometimes my children see me walking around my house and I'm holding my Bible. I'm holding it. What are you doing, Jamie? I'm in the Word. You just got out the Word. I, mean, I need to stay here. 
I need to continually remind myself not of what I'm going through. I need to continually remind myself of who's still with me as I'm going through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have to remind myself every day that God has not forsaken me. Why? Because you get in a situation and the devil tries to tell you God is mad at you. That's not what he's doing. He's loving you. And here's the experiential knowledge. Come on, Holy Spirit. If you don't go through something, you don't know God. If you don't have a problem, you don't know him as a healer. If you don't have a drug addiction, you don't know him as a deliverer. Come on, somebody. If you don't have some, if your finances are perfect, you don't know him as a provider. So how do we get to know God? God allows these experiences so that the scripture you know becomes real life. And that real life scripture is what causes you to know God in your heart where you can stand no matter what's happening. Don't freak out. You've got life eternal. Life eternal. What is life eternal? That they may know you, God, and the son that you have sent. I'm done. I'm done. Uh. Uh. Hallelujah!